0: You're listening to PetLiferadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's awesome animal advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, canine crusader for animals and the environment. Max and I thank you for joining us, and we dedicate this episode as we dedicate every episode to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, or wild animals. Our guest today is Angel Castillo, has been working in marketing and development for the past 17 years and is a volunteer for LA's Downtown Dog Rescue. Thanks to the hard work of many volunteers, such as Angel and technology, Downtown Dog Rescue raised enough money to purchase a permanent home for its K 9s to replace its current quarters. We'll learn about Downtown Dog Rescue, the challenge it faced, and how Angel and other volunteers helped find a solution. But first, we want to take a break so you can hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned.
1: Join the Dog Ring revolution! If you love your dog and want to take them everywhere you go, now you can with Dog Ring. Dog Ring is a hands-free way to include your dog in more activities and give you the freedom to take your dog almost anywhere. It's a safe and easy way to secure your dog. It clips around trees, posts, and poles in seconds. It's lightweight, portable, and strong. It has a free sliding leash which allows your dog to run around without getting tangled up. Perfect for parks, picnics, barbecues, camping, lounging outside, and furry fun adventures everywhere. Now you can be part of the Dog Ring revolution. Visit thedogring.com and sign up for our Kickstarter campaign. Registration is now open. Go to thedogring.com. That's thedogring.com.
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Keith Sanderson, your host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocate. And our guest today is Angel Castillo of Downtown Dog Rescue Volunteer. She's going to tell us an amazing story about L.A.'s Downtown Dog Rescue and how hundreds of homeless dogs were saved from being homeless. Hi, Angel. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm really glad. It's quite the story you have. Can you tell us a bit about the history of Ellie Downtown Dog Rescue?
1: Yeah. Downtown Dog Rescue was founded by Lori Weiss, who is unable to be with us today because she has work commitments. Downtown Dog Rescue is an entirely volunteer-based organization, which in and of itself is miraculous for what we do. We've been in operation for a little over 12 years. And uh, Lori Weiss started Downtown Dog Rescue with a co-worker. Lori works for a very large furniture company downtown in Los Angeles. And uh, her and a co-worker 12 years ago, there was a very large problem with dogs. Just roaming the streets. This was way before um, a lot of business gentrification had happened in the area, and it was it was not uncommon to just see dogs roaming the streets in various stages of neglect. And Lori's a very, as you can tell, a very humanitarian-oriented person, and can't stand to see people or animals suffer. With the roaming dog problem, there was also a very large homeless population in the area and that, that's been reduced lately as uh, due to a lot of programs but but what really hit Lori was the connection between there were people that were were struggling with a lot of life's challenges and, and a lot of these people had pets as well and uh, it was sort of a comfort thing and so her heart went out to them and it started off focusing on getting loose dogs spayed and neutered as well as getting people that were suffering through a homeless challenge getting Their animals spayed and neutered, and if they needed medical attention for the animals or, you know, shots or things like that. She and another co-worker of hers, every two weeks when they got their paycheck, they would hit the streets and and find out the people in the community who needed help. You know, they couldn't solve the homelessness problem, but what they could do is help with the companion animal that was giving the person some sort of stability and love and connection, because that's a smaller, easier thing to fix with a smaller dollar amount attached to it completely coming out of her pocket and her coworker's pocket. Then that sort of uh, continued to evolve, and Downtown Dog Rescue today does still serves directly the um, southeast Los Angeles community, the people that live there, the people that work there, and that, that compromises sort of the Watts-Compton area and everything off of the sort of along the 710 Freeway and the 110 Freeway, if you're familiar with California. And that has expanded. Our, our big focus still is spay-neuter. We run spay-neuter clinics that are free to residents in the area. And our mission is basically to provide free spay-neuter. We want to keep animals in homes as opposed to be turned over to the shelter. And of course rescuing shelter dogs are Crowning jewel right now is the uh, inter- shelter intervention program. And that was started in April of this year and it's sponsored by the Found Animals Foundation. Found Animals Foundation pays one of our volunteers a salary to sit at the Los Angeles shelter and talk to people as they come in to surrender their pets and find out why they're surrendering their pets because what we've discovered is it's not very easy. It's usually a complicated situation and we found out sometimes it's just a medical expense. Sometimes it's just a spay neuter. Sometimes it's a a broken fence. It's a 70-year-old woman who uh, is on a fixed income. Her dog keeps getting out. She's getting fines and and she's, you know, they're going to take the dog from her so she feels she has to surrender it. So our pro, what we do is we, we put them in touch with resources that we have as volunteers. So if we need that woman's fence fixed, we'll go and we'll fix that fence. And there's also a very compassionate portion of that as well. We have, um, in the Los Angeles area, pet care can be very expensive. If you, at the end of a dog's life, if they have a a terminal disease or if they're suffering greatly, uh, even in the inner city areas, it can still cost upwards of over $200 to humanely euthanize a pet that is suffering, uh, you know, dying of cancer. And so, what we've done as well, and, and this is something that really touches my heart, is there have been families who have come in and they don't have the money to humanely euthanize a pet that is dying of cancer at the end of its life stage at 16-year-old and it's suffering, and we pay for that. We allow them to go to their, our vet, and they, we allow them to be with their pet as they, they pass away.
0: I can relate to that. A few years ago, our daughter, who was a single mom, she lost her job. And her dog had cancer. You know, she went through that. We stepped in and helped her with it. And actually, that was about the only thing she ever asked us for. Tough times.
1: Right.
0: uh, uh, It just broke my heart
1: right? And and so we're very much connected to the community on a grassroots level. We are here to help the people in the Southeast Los Angeles area, make sure that they can keep their pets, because that area undergoes a lot of challenges. There are people that are losing their homes, they've lost their jobs, there's a separation or a divorce or something, you know, perhaps incarceration. And a lot of times the, the pets can be the only source of stability in a child's life or in a family's life. And sometimes if they can just get that little bit of extra help to get over that hump, they can keep the pet in the family and it provides something to bring the family together because pets are so non-judgmental, and they just love you for who you are and what you do no matter what it is. And so that's really what our focus is, spay and neuter, keeping pets in homes and, and helping people keep their pets and helping them be responsible pet
0: owners. You mentioned those things and sometimes it's not a permanent. Exactly. Uh, And uh, we learned that uh, earlier this month we had a guest who helps people who have been evicted or foreclosure in their pets and many times it's finding a foster mm-hmm. place for the one maybe only one or two weeks or three weeks right. or a month until you know something more permanent is found and the pet can be reunited and that mm-hmm. can make the difference between going in her case the animal going to a kill shelter versus mm-hmm. uh, you know surviving and being reunited with the family now you also have um adoption out of your facility
1: yes yes we do yes we do we run adoption events adoption events every weekend at uh, local grocery stores and uh, large pet chain stores and you can uh, go online and you can see the photos of the dogs that we'll be bringing and we're there every single week and we of course give out information while we're there there as who you can contact if you need things um, so that we can continue to make this program work
0: What's the capacity of your facility, or of the old facility?
1: Well, the the capacity of the old and the new facility will be the same. It'll be approximately 20 to 25 dogs. Sometimes there are dogs that we can place in, in foster situations, and then sometimes there are dogs that take some time to be re-educated. And when I, when I say re-educated, I mean sometimes basic training, but more importantly, pack socialization. That is something that Lori has spoken on many panels about um, and we found out that, that play groups play a key role in properly socializing a dog so that it doesn't have leash aggression and it knows how to interact with other an- animals. So very much like when you when you send a child to, to school, they learn how to interact with other kids. Dogs need to learn how to interact with other dogs so that they can be balanced and, and stable family members.
0: Well that's great because I think that's something that uh, many people don't understand is that sociological process because after all they are social animals and if you take a puppy maybe eight weeks and they're even younger and separate mm-hmm. it and put it in uh, strain conditions socialization may not be the uh, the thing it's had through its life
1: yes absolutely that's leading into what we're doing at the the new facility
0: you know earlier this summer you did face a crisis can you tell us what that was
1: Yes, we needed to find a permanent home for downtown dog rescue. For the past 12 years, Lori's relationship with her employer was was one of a benefit in the fact that the owner of the company had a surplus area in an industrial area that he, uh, as a perk to Lori, because Lori was such a good employee, he's like, and he was an animal person himself, he's like, I'll let you use this area to kind of keep these dogs together and as you adopt them out because they, he was being very very supportive and what happened was is over the last year the business had grown so much that the owner had to purchase another facility and the new facility based on zoning was not really going to allow um, a kennel to be in operation so we had to find a new home and so the, the owner of the business was very, very kind and carried two mortgages for quite some time. And we were very strained in looking for a place. It's a lot more challenging finding a place that will allow you to operate a kennel facility than you would think.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. We're going to need to take a break right sure. now so we can bring messages from our sponsors. And uh, hope our audience stays with us and we'll return. And Angel will share with us how Downtown Dog Rescue resolved its crisis. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Vacs are powerful, bagless, upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com, DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac to Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific time, 4 o'clock Eastern time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are one of the only live shows on Pet Life Radio, and I'm here to answer your questions. You can call in at 877 385 8882, or you can drop me an email to Jeff at petliferadio.com, and hopefully, we'll see you here on Thursdays. Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest, Angel Castillo, is going to share with us how Downtown Dog Rescue resolved a prices which occurred when it's lost its home. I guess the good news is that uh, you found a facility to move to, but Lori Weiss, the founder, needed to come up with quite a bit of money or you'd be in the same situation, no home.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Part of my, my real job is marketing person is reaching out for social network and grassroots campaigns and I've done some fundraising as well. And one of the tools that I use myself personally, and I've also recommended that some of my clients use is GoFundMe. I've always found it to be ridiculously easy to set up. And from a professional standpoint, it's, it's very socially sticky. And what that means is that it's very easy for people to share your message. GoFundMe is set up in a very user-friendly manner to allow people to put their message out there and enabling all of their friends and their family and their coworkers workers to, to sort of mobilize on their behalf and share their message to bring more people to your cause that you normally wouldn't have. It's something that I've used with great success. And I very much recommend it, that Lori use it. it. It's kind of funny because Lori is not a, she's a dog person and she's not terribly, uh, you know, facile on, on what crowdsourcing is. And uh, I just asked her to trust me on this one because I've had direct experience with this platform working and working very well for me. And she said, okay, let's do it. So that's what we did and and it helped us get to where we needed to be within a 30 day period.
0: Well that's great because I think a lot of our audience, a lot of animal advocates who are running shelters or that, you know, doing things like that, they're very very good at what they do but when it comes to technology like uh, crowdfunding uh, technology, they're sort of lost. And so one thing that I was interested in is that you sharing the experience and and maybe taking away the fear of crowdfunding, if you will.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, as part of my job, I work in film and I, and different types of businesses. And especially even with regards to the types of funding that are out there, they all do sort of essentially the same thing. But I think that GoFundMe does it in such a way that it's easy for someone to use and easy to understand. And I can't say enough good things about their customer support. Whenever I had a couple of questions or I, I made a mistake and I wanted to try to fix something, I just sent out an email and what they, on their little thing, it says, we'll try to get back to you within five minutes, almost instantaneous, it has been my experience. And, and that's, uh, in my world, that's a, that's a very important thing because when I want an answer, I, I need it now. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, exactly, and you know, I'd like to share a little background about you with uh, with the audience because I think Lori was really, really fortunate in having somebody like Angel because Angel has worked out on the rollout of many features, including Iron Man, Tropic Thunder, Kung Fu Panda, Wally, Baby Mama, Mama Mia. And other uh, feature films. So she certainly should feel safe when, when you recommended a uh, crowdfunding mm-hmm. uh, technology because you certainly are dealing in a high-pressure industry and need to get results every time you uh, go up the bat. Right. So how much money did you need to raise and how quickly?
1: We originally started off with trying to raise one hundred and seventy thousand dollars because we figured that that was going to be our our bare minimum because we had been working on a few larger donors. Being in the animal rescue industry, Lori has done lots of work for a very large. Organizations like Best Friends Animal Association, the ASPCA, and uh, the Doris Day Animal Foundation and Animal Farm Foundation. So going into this, we were in talks with them and we were targeting that that was the number that we were the bare minimum that we needed to make sure that we could get into a place and, and have a very low low, low, low mortgage. And our goal was, is like, wouldn't it be great if we could pay this whole thing off and we wouldn't have to worry about it? And so that was really our goal. Lori put her house up as collateral. She knew she was going to be taking a loan and we wanted to try to make it as, as small as possible. That's a very scary thing, her own personal home. Yes, indeed. And what had happened is that once we started fundraising, we had such a positive and quick reaction within our donor base and i I think you need to put this into perspective that we have never raised this much money ever in the entire history and ultimately we ended up raising three hundred and seventy thousand and i think it's like eighty five dollars to date
0: and and Um, and how many days or weeks or months time um, period
1: basically today it's one month
0: one month
1: one month, and you, yes.
0: And you raised over $320,000? $370,000. Oh,
1: wow. Um, and the important thing to remember about that is that some of the total is granted from larger donors like the ASPCA. The ASPCA gave us a matching grant, and I'd actually like to sort of touch on that a bit. They saw what great success that we had with getting people on board very, very quickly within the first uh, week and a half. They said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a a sixty thousand dollar matching grant. You get your people to raise sixty thousand and we'll give you sixty thousand. And that was a great thing because it was very incentivizing to our audience. And best friends, of course, donated a hundred thousand dollars, and Doris Day and the Animal Farm Foundation donated ten each. But basically, we got our very own donor base, friends, family, relatives, volunteers. Almost a hundred thousand dollars was just volunteers alone. And and that is for our fundraising history, unbelievable. Earth shattering. I mean, you know, the most glory has ever raised at any one time from our just strictly donor base, not not formal organizations that have, you know, grants to give out has has only been like maybe, maybe eight thousand dollars.
0: That is incredible, because it may be that the, the audience is getting the idea that, that even though you're all volunteer at uh, Downtown Dog Rescue, that you're a big, 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 massive organization. No. You know, to put it in perspective, you really are the shirt sleeves, front line kind of animal advocacy organization that's out there without many resources and
1: absolutely that's the thing that you know i mean whenever you deal with larger organizations you know they have staff we do not have staff (laughs) we there is the there is no one that gets a paycheck from downtown dog rescue it's all volunteer and it's all based I think because you see such a direct result with what we're happening. We're really entrenched within the community. And, you know, if you're going to give us $20 you know that, you know, dogs are going to get spayed and neutered. Shots are going to be given. Animals are going to be taken out of shelters. Um, I mean, you can see it. Anytime anybody volunteers with us, they all they have to do is go down and sit at the intervention table for like an hour. And you can see the result that your money is making in these people's lives, the impact that it has and keeping people together with their animals and, and keeping them in homes and having a beloved family member and and of course you know we're I just can't emphasize enough the importance of spaying and neutering to help reduce the population because our shelters are just overflowing
0: yeah that is so important and now as I understand it then the crowdfunding that you were using GoFundMe it was sort of the catalyst that got the whole thing really absolutely,
1: happy. absolutely, and, and
0: snowballing mm-hmm. and um, you know can you share with our listeners any suggestions about working with a crowdfunding company like GoFundMe
1: well they make it really easy they have um, if you don't understand it at all you just sit down at your computer and take some time and go through the frequently asked questions and uh, again I just can't say enough about the customer support you can just send them an email and you're going to get an answer From setting up a campaign, the most important thing is that uh, you absolutely positively have to link it to your Facebook account because that's the whole basis of it is that you want to share it with all of your friends and all of your family. And social media is the absolute easiest way to do that. So it needs to be linked to your Facebook account. And when you link your account to the GoFundMe, make sure that your profile photo helps project the image of what it is that you're, you're doing. Lori almost always has her profile photos set as, as one of her dogs or a dog that she's in love with that needs special attention and that type of thing. And I had her made sure that she changed that to having her and a dog so people could see her face so that they knew who they were, were dealing with. And when you choose your photo for the GoFundMe page, try to make sure that you have a photo that somehow or another connects to what it is that you're doing. It may seem relatively obvious, but, but it's not always. You want to make sure that the photo matches the cause that you're raising money for. And I think the most important thing is you've got to really craft and spend a lot of time whittling down to about three paragraphs what it is that you're trying to raise money for. It was challenging with Downtown Dog Rescue because you want to educate people what is it and so on and so forth. And so when I set up our page, I made sure that what's our problem First thing, what do we have to do in the first paragraph? What is happening? Kind of very much who, what, where, when. What do you need? Why do you need it? And when do you need it by?
0: I was really struck when I looked at it. and I, When I saw it, it ha- I believe it was a pit bull. It was a terrier mm-hmm. or something.
1: Yes, that, that's a caution.
0: You know, it, it really telegraphed the message. Um, you know, so well done. Well done. But important advice, I think, because a lot of times people over, I think, overlook just how important getting right down and thinking clearly about what the message must be and uh, connecting that message to the viewer mm-hmm. and then getting them to act because it's even though we're in the day of the internet it's still call to action is so very important.
1: Absolutely.
0: So it sounds like then it was a great success. Have you moved into your new location?
1: We are in the process of doing that right now. We have the keys, the electricity has been turned on, the water has been turned on, and Lori is meeting at the end of her workday every day at the kennel with the people that need to bring it up to speed, the contractors plumbing and electrical and kennels need to be built. And, you know, she's organizing all of that. We're looking to actually have the dogs in the facility, uh, you know, fingers crossed, 30 days. But uh, we'll see how that goes. But it's so exciting because it's, uh, and, and this actually leads me to what I was going to talk to you about the, the play groups. We have one of the things that we're going to be doing with this new facility is that we're going to have Play areas. As a matter of fact, Animal Farm Foundation donated 10000 specifically to build separate and distinct play areas for the dogs because we do have a large percentage of pit bulls. We rescue all dogs. We have small dogs. We have senior dogs. Um, and those smaller and senior dogs have different requirements than younger, you know, 60, 50 pound dogs. So we were going to be able to have separate areas for senior dogs and smaller dogs and the bigger dogs and then we're going to have agility equipment so that they're going to be very enriched with you know being stimulated properly and and learning to interact the new kennel is also going to be we're going to have a place to offer training so again reaching out to the local community of uh, it's not good if you live in the area that we serve in southeast los angeles you're going to be able to bring your dog and have free obedience classes and learn how to socialize your dog in, in a playgroup. And then we're also going to be offering playgroup socialization seminars to local shelters and other groups within the area and then we're also going to offer since it's a permanent facility it really expands our programs because again I can't say enough good things about Lori's employer offering us his space but we had to operate within the constraints of the business so we weren't able to have volunteers there after certain hours or during certain hours whereas this would we could we could have people there 24 7 if we wanted to with regards to running classes and taking care of
0: the dogs. That's great because I think that's really key because not everybody uh, I'm sure that you guys serve can get there when you could before. You know, I ask each guest this question. How, with all the human misery in the world, can you justify advocating spending time, money and resources helping animals?
1: We don't choose between people and animals. Uh, if you're tuning in later, earlier we went over this. We're very community-based in the southeast Los Angeles area, and we connect with people, with the animals. The dog transcends color lines and socioeconomic lines. Uh, we have a common ground to come together as we're pet owners, and these are our, our family members. And what we do is we help stability offer offer stability to sometimes people that don't have it in their life with the pet so we bring hope to a family be allowing them to keep their animal or get what they need to make sure their animal is well taken care of to make sure that you know there's hope in a situation that there may not be a lot of stability to and that pet is the constant Um, you know an animal isn't going to break your heart they're always going to be there with their love for their owner and so we give back and we also it's not just animals again going back to the community thing we have an event in compton that's youth-based called we skate eight two the number eight and it's supporting a a local youth group that skates and they did a a video rap video that Emphasizes the importance of spaying and neutering your pets, and so we're not just connected on the animal level; we're directly connected to the community through the animals. And those small little changes can have big effects in people's lives, and so that's where we're taking our stand because it's what we know, it's where we are, and that's how we choose to operate.
0: Well, that's great. That's great, Angel. You know. You're so interesting. The time has just flown by. I can't believe that we're almost to the end of uh, this episode. But before we go, I want to make sure, can you mention the website or Facebook pages or oh, any absolute. place people can go or to donate or volunteer to help?
1: Sure. Um, DowntownDogRescue.org. Um, we have a Facebook link there, a Twitter link, and um There's uh, all the information that you need to know about Downtown Dog Rescue and how to be connected socially, as well as uh, send a donation if you'd like to continue to support our work.
0: Well, okay. Now, can you say it one more time, just in case somebody just didn't
1: like it? (laughs) DowntownDogRescue.org, O-R-G, so DowntownDogRescue.org.
0: Well, Max A. Pooch, and I really thank you for being with us today, Angel. I think uh, you've shared a lot of information that may give some of our listeners, uh, particularly from smaller organizations, some great ideas.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really
0: appreciate it. You're welcome. We want to thank you, our listeners, for spending your valuable time with us. You're all fantastic, and we hope you tell your friends about Awesome Animal Advocates. And a special thanks to Mark Winter, co-founder and executive producer of Pet Life Radio and our sponsors for making this episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates possible. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, saying thank you to all those animal advocates who work so hard on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves. Max A. Pooch gives them five big tail-wagging woofs. Let's talk pets